At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us. Well, good morning, Woodside Plymouth. There you go. It's much better than the first service. I just want you to know. Much more lively. Way to go. Why bring uh, Woodside greetings from what we would call from Plymouth up north uh, at the White Lake campus. We're about 40 minutes north of here around some lakes and you will find our campus there. Bonnie and I have been serving there for almost seven years and it is our privilege to finally be here. Jeremy, your pastor, is a dear friend and uh, we have prayed for each other uh, over the years, prayed for our congregations and so it is good to, uh, to be with you here on this Sunday morning. Now, you know, Nathan mentioned just a moment ago Hope Week and I want you to know that uh, we are housing about 100 middle school students in our building this week, so you can go ahead and pray for us, okay? It'd be good. All right, now, as, uh, as we look at the calendar, I just want to just make a quick point of reference for you. If you haven't noticed, summer is about halfway over. You say, wow, thanks for the good news, Pastor. But when we look at the summer, what we find here in Michigan is that we get the opportunity to enjoy some of the best that our state has to offer. If we're going to be honest, what we find in these summer months is that many of us are kind of taking those evening dips in the pool. How many of you have made those kind of up north vacation plans that you're looking forward to yet? Not White Lake, but maybe a little bit further north. How many of you? Some of us will also get to the point where we would say, you know what, when I look at my summer kind of rhythms, I'm able to dig into my favorite book, my favorite author in his latest book, perhaps. Or, of course, I'm guessing that some of us here this morning would say, you know what, summer is the time where I hit the local ice cream store and I grab a little Blue Moon or a little Mackinac Island fudge. How many of you are in that camp? There you go. Good. Well, all of these are things that we have an opportunity to do in those summer months, that June, July, August kind of rhythm of our lives. That's the season where we have an opportunity to do some of those things, some of those things that we enjoy that are uniquely summertime in Michigan. Now, when I try to hit kind of, when I look at the rhythms of our lives and I kind of look at the season that we're in, I think it's really helpful for us to pause and take that inventory of what's happening in our lives. And so the personal inventory of this particular season that we find ourselves in, that's what I'm talking about. So it's that moment where we reflect upon the summer that we've had at the midway point. Where have you gone? What have you experienced? What good books have you read? Not just the ones that are sitting on your nightstand waiting to be read. What are the books that in this first half of the summer that you have engaged with? This is one that's going to touch a nerve with some of the guys in the room. What home projects have you accomplished? What can you look back on and say, yeah, I've been able to get that done in this first season of our summer, this first half of summer? Well, if you're anything like me, I like to pause and evaluate and kind of look back on myself and not necessarily in sort of a pass-fail kind of way, but really take that personal inventory to kind of have a self-evaluation of the state of our family, 
the state of our ministry in Woodside White Lake, the state of my own heart and mind. I want to encourage you to consider those same things in your life because these are healthy rhythms for us to participate in and for us to consider. And so that's what I'm going to ask you to do over the course of about the next 30 minutes or so. I'm going to ask you to do something significant. And I'm going to ask you to take a spiritual assessment of your heart. How many of you are ready to do that? A spiritual assessment of your heart. That's five people. We're off to a great start. Okay, so a spiritual assessment of the heart is what we're kind of driving for. It is an assessment that we find based upon the word of God. And I want to kind of give you a little bit of breathing space here. We're not going to have people at the doors as you leave kind of asking you to fill out some kind of questionnaire diagram or kind of fill out an evaluation of where you are. Instead, what I want you to do in these next few moments is really look inward to consider where you are on your faith journey as you care for your soul. Now, today we're going to be looking at one of my favorite writings from the Psalms. It is a Psalm 27. You just heard it read beautifully a moment ago. But before we turn there, I'd like you to pray with me. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to gather as your people. God, you have invited us here for this moment in time. You have invited us here to bring an offering of praise to you, to lift your name high today. But you've also invited us here because you desire to speak to us through your word. God, we stand upon your word. We acknowledge that your word is true. It is truth that has everything we need to walk out our faith in consistent and authentic and real ways. So God, would your spirit lead us in these next few moments? God, we need eyes to see the truth that's on your pages. We need ears to hear these truths, God, and then we need humble hearts before you that through the movement of your spirit, you might give us the grace to live out these truths in the week ahead. And we humbly ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, uh, as we talk about the sermon, Nathan mentioned just a moment ago that as the church, Woodside is gonna be digging into a, a sermon series called Divided as we look at 1 Corinthians. But this sermon, I want you to know, is what we call a campus pastor choice. The campus pastor gets an opportunity to kind of dig into something that's unique to your congregation over the summer months. And this summer, we have kind of three Sundays where we have an opportunity to do that. Now, you might say, well, wait a second. You are not my campus pastor. This is correct. Uh, I am the campus pastor at White Lake. Jeremy is your campus pastor. And I want to just pause for just a moment and just say he is a wonderful pastor. And I want to encourage you that as he's on sabbatical, Be faithful in praying for him. This is an important season in his life and in Steph's life and in their family life. And so I want to encourage you, please be in prayer for your pastor in this season.
Now, as we begin, I want to just share a little bit about myself as we get into this uh, idea of seasons and the significance of ministry and what this looks like. I want to just kind of take you back to one of my favorite things that I like to do on a summer morning. Uh, Where we live is not necessarily right next to White Lake, but the next town over, and we live in the back of a subdivision, and it's it's not kind of the lakes that you hear about in White Lake area, but what we live in is uh, we overlook the woods. And so one of my favorite things to do is in the morning, I like to get up with a cup of coffee, as many of you do, go sit out on our back deck, and the way our house is situated, that is in the shade in the morning. So in the coolness of the morning, in the shade of the morning, I like to take a cup of coffee and listen. Listen as the wind blows through the trees. And I like to listen as the word of God speaks to my heart the beautiful truths that we find in God's word, specifically in the Psalms. I love turning to the Psalms during the summer months, and that's what we are going to be doing today because I believe with all of my heart that if you take God's word and if you open it up and you sort through its pages, you read through the Old Testament, you read through the New Testament, what you will find is that the Psalms They give us the most clear picture of what it truly means to be human of any other book in the scriptures. That's not to diminish any other book, but I believe that the Psalms, what they do is they paint a vivid picture for us of what it means to have an authentic journey of faith. Because when you read the Psalms, what they'll help us see is the highs and the low of our faith experience. They're raw and they are real. They speak to the struggle that we might have. They speak to those moments where we wrestle with our God and wrestle with his sovereignty. Those are in the Psalms. But the Psalms are also a place where we are witness to one who is transformed by praise and yet one who cries out to God. It's all there in the Psalms, and so that's what we're going to be looking at here in just a moment. Now, as we turn to the Psalter, I want to highlight a few specific things. Many of you may be aware of this, but in the Psalms, there are really kind of three primary uh, sort of genres when we talk about writing that's captured in the Psalms. You first have praise, You have psalms of praise. Many of those have become uh, worship songs throughout the history of the church. There are psalms of praise. Then you have another category. There are psalms of thanksgiving. Pretty self-explanatory on that one. And then the last and most significant one. I say most significant because it is the genre that is highlighted the most often. And that is lament. Lament. But let's be real with each other for just a moment. We don't really talk in that kind of language often, do we? We can come to church and we can praise God. We can go into our kind of quiet place and we might sit around the table and give thanks with our family before a meal and acknowledge God's goodness to us. But it is very rare that we pause and lament our situation. It's just not something we do culturally. Honey, I'm lamenting our financial situation. It's not really something we do. I'm lamenting the choices that our college-age son is going through right now. Not really something we talk about. 
at least not in White Lake. Maybe that's what you guys do here in Plymouth. But I, I'm guessing it is probably not what you talk about is lamenting. And yet I believe that that's what connects with all of our hearts this morning. The idea of lament, it is something that connects with each and every one of us here. One of my seminary professors, a guy by the name of Dr. Mark Futado, he spent his life studying and, and working on and seeking to understand and then writing books on the Psalms. And here's what he says about the practice of lament. The practice of lament. He says, our lives are not always well-oriented. In fact, disorientation better describes life at times. You guys identify with that? He writes, the laments or the songs of disorientation were written for times such as these. Now, if we're going to be real and honest with each other, the last couple of years have been very disorienting. Nothing is as it was three years ago. Things have changed in our world. There is disorientation in the financial markets. There is disorientation in when we look at world affairs. There is disorientation, and I'm going to walk on thin ice for just a moment. There is disorientation in American politics. Disorientation is something we see very clearly here in the summer of 2022. Disorientation, it's a word that describes where you and I might be living today. And that's exactly why reading and reflecting upon a psalm of lament like we just heard a moment ago and like we are going to turn to in just a moment, I believe can minister to our souls deeply this morning. Now, I just want to give you one quick caveat before we open up the psalms. I want to give you a little framework for how we are going to read and look at Psalm 27 specifically. Specific to Psalms of Lament, this is sort of a structure that you will find over and over and over again in these Psalms of Lament. They typically begin by highlighting a problem. So when we talk about lamenting, I have to acknowledge, hey, I have a situation here. I have a problem in this moment. Then he moves off into a deep, heartfelt plea. There is this asking, this crying out that happens in the middle of a lament. And then ultimately, laments end with praise. So have that in mind as we take a deeper look at our text. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. To Psalm 27, we're going to be looking right now at just the first six verses of today's text. Psalm 27. It is a psalm of David. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in this tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and I will make melody to the Lord. Let's pause right there. What we hear from David the writer of that psalm at the beginning of Psalm 27 is a confidence in God and in the character of God. That's what you see in that first section of our text. Listen to the words that David uses to describe God. He said, God is his light. God is his salvation. God is his stronghold. God is all of those things. And because he is those things, David also declares that God is his dwelling place. God is the one in whom he finds shelter. And it is in God that David finds his covering. You see, God is all of those things to David by faith. And so David's declaration reveals something very important to each and every one of us here today. It's not for the guy sitting next to you. It is for you and for me, all of us today. And that is a heart that has a tremendous confidence in God. It has a tremendous confidence. And church, that's going to give us the first of what I will call three seasons of the soul that we find in Psalm 27. It is the first of these seasons, and the first season of the soul is he gives us soul confidence. Through faith, God gives his people soul confidence. So as a man, as a woman, as a child of faith, you and I can experience this within our souls regardless of our circumstances. Many of us walked in those doors today and we didn't maybe feel like being here because the circumstances of life were weighing us down. Regardless of those circumstances, he wants you to know that you can trust him. The psalmist wants you and me to know that we can trust our God. You see, it's through faith that you and I know and experience things that people without faith simply do not experience and do not understand. I say that today not from a posture of arrogance, I happen to be the guy on the stage with a mic attached to my face, but I don't say that from a posture of arrogance. In fact, I say it from a posture of humility and gratitude. God has made his truth known to me, and he's made it known to you. He has called us to himself. So church, I want you to listen to these words again. See how they can give you confidence. God is light. You see, through the Holy Spirit who indwells all who believe upon Jesus Christ, we receive spiritual direction. We, we receive a light or guidance for our journey. God is light. God is our salvation. This is what believers have in Christ. We have the eternal hope of salvation, not based upon what we do, not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus because of his sacrificial work on a cross to pay a penalty that you and I could not 
pay. God is our salvation. And finally, that third term, God is our stronghold. This is what you and I can experience in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is our refuge. He is our strength in the midst of the turmoil. As the world is turning and spinning and it feels like it's faster and more out of control, this is where you and I find our refuge. This is where you and I find our strength. God is our stronghold. I love the way a theologian by the name of John Stott sums it up this way. He said, the Lord is my light, therefore he guides me. The Lord is my salvation, therefore he delivers me. And the stronghold of my life, and it is in him that I take refuge. I love that. And all of those realities that God is light, God is our salvation, and God is our stronghold should give you and me, if we are in Christ today, soul confidence. Soul confidence. Now, let's continue on in our psalm. Let's pick it back up at verse 7. We're going to be reading 7 through 12. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord, the Lord will take me in. So teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And they breathe out violence. Do you guys hear the difference? David has this huge transition in the midst of this psalm. In the first portion, there's this great confidence and hope that he has. And here, you see a difference in his writing style. You see a difference in his language. You see a difference in his posture of heart. David has had this huge transition. He has moved from a soul filled with confidence to a place where he is crying out in prayer cries out to God in prayer. His heart is one that feels alone in this moment. When you read that text, do you feel that? Do you, do you sense that? He feels alone in this moment, and in this moment he is seeking acceptance. He's seeking to be brought in. His heart is one that desires to be led and guided on the path. He desires to be protected. And this heartfelt prayer actually shows us the second season of the soul. A soul cry. It is an honest cry to our God. I want you to think of it in this terms. It is a plea. It's that moment where you are broken and you come to God and you ask him, you plead with him to do a work and this is a soul cry. Now early on in the message I mentioned that this psalm I thought had something for everyone. This is not just a psalm that is going to really minister to the guy next to you or the person that you came with. This psalm has something for everyone, and here's why I say that. Because I guarantee that 100% of us have felt alone at some point in our lives. 
100% of us. At some point, you have longed to be accepted. There's been a group, maybe it was in elementary school, or you moved into high school, or at the college level, or in your career. At some point, you've wanted to be a part of something. You've longed to be accepted. At some point, you wanted to be shown the way. You think you know how to navigate it, but you'd really like guidance for the path. And every single one of us yearns to be protected. You see, these are the things that we pray about in the dark nights of our soul. These are the kinds of things when we lay our head on the pillow at night that sometimes can keep us awake. When we've designed a path like this and somehow our life looks like this, when life is just not going the way we designed it, when we are in the middle of financial unrest, when everything in our world seems to be spinning at just a little bit too fast of a pace, you're on that treadmill of life and it's going one or two speeds too fast. That's when we come to the point for a soul cry. And that's why I believe that Psalm 27 can be sad for our souls today. It can bring refreshment to us. Because I believe that it is an invitation of sorts to come to God with all of your anxiety, to come to him with all of your raw emotion, to come to him with all of your fears, all of your questions, and cry out to him in prayer. It's a soul cry believer, when was the last time you did that? When was the last time you got to the end of yourself and you said, God, I need you to show up in this situation? When was the last time you had a soul cry? I'm not talking about a trite little religious prayer. I'm talking about gut level honesty real and authentic before a holy God, this brutally honest prayer that pours out the depths of your soul. This is what David shows us in Psalm 27. I love it because what it shows us is that God doesn't turn away. When David comes, he doesn't turn him away. He doesn't cast him aside. Instead, he draws near to him, and he does that for you. He leads him, and he does that for you. And in humility, he will guide you just as he is guiding David. Church, this happens when we reach the season of our soul that is a soul cry. So I want to encourage you, go there. Go there with your heart. Go there with your head. Go there with all of who you are and cry out just as David models for us. So we have seen two seasons of the soul. David has modeled for us what it means to have soul confidence. Then we get to the point where we have this soul cry. Now let's look at the final portion of our text. We're going to look at two verses, just 13 and 14. And what we're going to find is a different season of our soul. It says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. 
Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So Psalm 27 has taken us on a journey, and it is a journey that concludes with the third season of our soul, and it is a soul at peace. It's a soul at peace. As we trust and depend upon God, you and I experience soul peace. David wraps up the psalm with trust. He declares his trust in Almighty God. Now, let me be clear about something. This is not the, I trust in the long-term, the long-term view, the afterlife. That is not what he's talking about. And we know that because what David highlights here is he says, I'm looking upon the goodness of the Lord, where? In the land of the living. In the here and the now. You see, David is trusting. David is practicing faith in this moment that God will answer the requests of his heart. He has confidence in his character. He then brings his cry to him. And in this moment, he experiences a measure of peace peace as he practices his faith. But David's answers weren't immediate. That's why he leaves with these words, wait for the Lord. He says, be strong. He says, take courage and wait. Now, how many of us here right now in this moment would say, I like to wait? Anybody? You say, I can't wait to leave church today, head over to Costco and wait in line to fill up my gas tank. Pretty excited about that. How many of you would say, no, 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 that, my favorite thing is when I go to the grocery store and all the self-checkout lines are full. Just really like that opportunity to wait. Or maybe you're really troubled and you enjoy going to the Secretary of State's office. I'm not sure. The reality is waiting for us in an immediate society is painful. And it is difficult. We are just not a people who like to wait. And yet that's exactly what David recommends as he wraps up his psalm. He says, for his own soul and for yours and mine, right here at the end of Psalm 27, David says, because waiting builds strength, strength of faith. Waiting builds courage. It gives us courage. So when you and I wait patiently for the Lord, what you are doing and what I'm doing is we are practicing our dependence upon the goodness of God. When we wait. So, Plymouth family, as I close, it is my hope that you will carve out some time. It's the midpoint of summer. You'll carve out some time to evaluate. Just take a few moments and pause and intentionally reflect upon where you've been and where you're going the rest of the summer. Because I believe when you do, in view of Psalm 27, you will find some encouragement for your journey. By God's grace, through your faith in Christ, you as the people of God will have soul confidence. Because this confidence is not rooted in anything other than the character of God, you can bring him your deepest soul cry. When you do, 
You can rest upon the finished work of Christ on the cross on your behalf. Because it is through Jesus, no matter how long you are asked to wait, that you will experience soul peace. May that be true of each of us in the days ahead. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.